Good Thursday morning, everyone. Doug Farrar, uh, editor of the USA Today Sports Media Group site, Touchdown Wire, along with our five tool guy, Mark Schofield, as always. And Mark is on Big Blue View and QB Factory Reboot and like 45 other things. Mark, I don't know how you do it, man. I, I have enough trouble with my brain keeping one thing together. I don't know. As I've told you, I'm most of the time I am fueled by peanut butter cups and, and, and Diet Coke. Uh, this, this time of the year, I'm fueled by Mucinex Sinus Max. Sponsorship opportunities always available. You got um, the tussin. I got the tussin. Uh, I'm flying high on the tussin. Um, it is not COVID, everybody. Tests have all come back negative, so Good. don't worry Good. about me. Um, but, everyone's. Yeah, yeah. As as of ten, uh, you know, eight ten this morning, everybody is all in the clear, so nothing to worry about there. Okay. Um, but you yeah, we're a vaccinated quarterback. Thank God. Yes, I am a vaccinated quarterback. As you see, I do not have the mask on for the the media appearance here. I do have the masks nearby, however. Yes. Um, but yeah, it is week eleven. I think um, we are both sort of hitting that wall where it's like, wow. Um, all right, here we go. So we forge on. We forge on. On the, on the podcast <laughs> okay so week 11 in bunches here we go the buy teams of the broncos and the rams um rams got boat raced by the 49ers um you looked a little bit at the rams defense based on something that eli and peyton said on the manning cast and i wanted to throw that to you for a second yeah, I mean, because they, they said something Monday night that they were having trouble covering the middle of the field, and, and that was kind of apparent Monday night. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of things were apparent Monday night. One, Kyle Shanahan seems to have a recipe for Sean McVay. You know, he has a recipe for the Rams. I broke down that. Oh, it's beating crap out of a light box with the most diverse and effective run game in the NFL? Is that Yeah. Could I be. mean, I I broke down that 18 play open and drive. Yes. There's the video up on touchdown wire. Um, broke down each, it soul stealing. It, well, that was a Garoppolo quote. He basically oh. said, I don't want to say it took their soul away, but it did something. And it's like, yeah, you, you stole their soul with it because, you know, it, Ted Wynn wrote a piece about it where they were running different kinds of outside zone run plays. The, the Zorro design is one of the ones that they were running. They were doing it a bunch of different ways. McVeigh and Shanahan and these offenses and Shanahan did a great job of it on, on Monday night. They do such a great job at creating extra gaps. Like they had one play where you have the tight end, you have a jet motion player created one extra gap to the run to that side, but then you slide or sift the fullback across as well. So you're essentially creating three extra gaps that you have to account for, for a defense. And so, you know, for all this stuff, the genius tag for Shanahan in the past game, the run game stuff is just as impressive if you ask me, but with respect to the Rams defense, like they've given up some plays in the middle of the field. It's not like a cover two, cover four. They've got a problem cover one cover three. They've got a problem. It's they've got John Johnson is now a Cleveland Brown and Taylor Rapp has made some nice plays this year. And Johnson was the green dot guy for Staley. Yeah. He yeah. called the entire defense. Yeah. And, you know, so so he could cover up stuff in the middle of the field a little bit better than where Rap is right now. I think Rap is a good player and he will get better. And, yeah, two very good interceptions of Daniel Jones earlier this year where he could just pick his pocket. Um, one was on a levels concept where he collides with three, gets under two, and makes the pick. And, you know, that's a really nice play. I don't think it's like a critical flaw in the Rams' defense. I think more the story was they were getting beat up up front uh, with some of their light box stuff. And this was a game that sort of just catered to what the Niners do well right now, which is they could establish the run. They could put together these 18 play drives 
and Garoppolo just had to pick a favorite matchup on third and four situations. And nine times out of 10, he was going to target whoever was being covered by reader uh, number 51, the linebacker, because he went to him when he was covering juice check. He went to him when he was covering Kittle and they converted some third downs that way. This was also like the 2019 playoffs plan for Jimmy G. Did you see his passing chart? Oh yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, if he stood at one side of either of our offices, he wouldn't have thrown past the, the, the uh, corresponding wall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a Waltham High School 1994 passing chart. That's all I'll say about it. You sound bitter. <laughs> no, I, I got to throw a little bit down, more downfield than Jimmy G did on Monday night. Let's put that way. I, I would certainly hope so. I also want to touch on what Troy Aikman had to say. I, I mean, obviously, we know how great Aikman is. Yeah. Great analyst, great thinker, great quarterback, Hall of Famer, all the way across. Um, the whole idea that the Rams felt pressure to get the ball to Odell Beckham deep because he's now on the team – um, and the fact that Odell is a locker room problem, uh, the locker room problem thing, it didn't work out in Cleveland, but Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, Odell's teammates on offense in Cleveland all said two things. He was a willing decoy and he was a willing run blocker. He did the dirty work. He's not yeah. a diva. He, I mean, does he look like, I mean, it doesn't quack like a duck. Let me put it that way. Um, the thing about that, I mean, there was the deep pass to Odell. It was picked off by Jimmy Ward where, I mean, and you could see Odell, and they discussed it after the game. You could see Odell, you know, I I was in North Hollywood, and I turned left, and I was in Encino. Do you know the way to San Jose? That kind right. of thing. Well, you've been in the building, what, two days? Yep. That's going to happen. Um, what I noticed about that game, and I, it, it brings me back to Debo Samuel, who, God, yeah. damn. Yep. The, the loss of Robert Woods for the rest of the season is crushing to that passing game because what has Woods been? He's been the blocker. He's been the jet sweep guy, whether it's just the fake, the specter of it, or the handoff. He's been the easy outlet on third and four, third and three, third and five, where you need that. You know, Cup also is that guy. Cup can run, Cup can sweep, Cup can, you know, obviously do all that stuff. But when you take Woods out, then it reduces Cup to that role as opposed to the intermediate and deep guy. Um, and I'm watching the Rams offense on Monday night. And I'm watching the Niners offense on Monday night. I'm thinking to myself, everything the Rams so need Robert Woods to do, Debo Samuel was doing at a, like a thermonuclear level. Yep. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about who I think the NFL MVP is this year. Uh, offensive player of the year. My uh, right now, I would say it's Debo because wow. there isn't a thing. And, you know, we think, oh, he's just a little sweep guy. Well, he's one offensive player of the week twice. I think the first time it was against the Bears where he had uh, two huge deep receptions. And this time it was, well, we're not throwing deep, obviously. Um, right. He ran the ball, I believe, five times. I believe he converted third downs on five of his plays. Um the stuff in traffic was just, and Jimmy will throw some cemetery balls and yeah. Debo doesn't care. I mean, you can see where he got the name. Uh, it's yeah. our bike now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I think the loss of Robert Woods as the Rams go forward is going to be a huge problem because, and, and, you know, I mean, the McVay was almost in tears after it happened. He knows, he knows exactly how important Woods is to that offense it will be interesting to see. And, you know, the Rams are not in trouble. They got 
their asses kicked. That happens. Um, yep. A lot of good teams get their asses kicked. Um, but uh, it, you know, do they reduce cup and then other guys have to step up and, you know, how long will it take Beckham to get in the, they have a buy now. So there's that extra week to sort of, um, I just wanted to touch on the Aikman comments because I thought based on the studies I've done with Odell and what the, the stuff I've seen and watched from the coaches and players in Cleveland, I don't think there's much to it. I just don't. No, I, especially he was in the building for like all three days before that game. Like, I, I don't think there's anything to that. And, you know, you mentioned the will and blocker part. Like, that dates, dates back to his time with the Giants. It dates back to his time at LSU. Like, he's willing to do that stuff. So LSU receivers know how to block. Especially when he was the, the offense they were running. You no, know, this was obviously the pre-Joe Brady era LSU Tigers. Like it was twelve personnel, thirteen personnel. We're running the ball like fifty-five times a game type of offense, and that's that's why Odell wasn't viewed as this perfect receiver coming out. There were very few people. My buddy Jeff Lloyd, locked on Browns, was one of the few. I remember those draft Twitter days where he was one of the few saying, "Look, Odell's got something to him." Not too many people thought that. Who's your OC back then? I don't know. Gosh. I don't remember. Yeah, we'll look it up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, onward. Um, yeah, Debo, unstoppable. I was got, I got caught up in other things. I, I, I want to write a tape piece on just him specifically and everything yeah. he's doing because um, there are Robert Woods elements to his game. There's some Cordell Patterson elements to his game. But if you just line him up as an ex-ISO – <laughs> yeah, he's to the point and Kyle talked about this this week like he's to the point in his development where yeah all the tricky stuff and the gadget blah 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 um, if you just line him up as an ex-ISO and you ask him to run you know a post go a stutter go whatever he can do that too so at a very high level he has become a complete receiver with all the trickeration yep. so very dangerous guy LSU's Offensive coordinator Odell's final year was Cam Cameron. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so oh, there I, you go. And, you know, they get Trey Lance up to speed. Maybe they get more expansive downfield passing game without Jimmy's limitations once Trey Lance gets with the program. Yeah. Really interesting to see next year. Yeah. So Thursday Night Football, Patriots at Falcons. Just when we were back in about the Falcons offense, the Cowboys pulled us right back out. Yeah. Uh, if you play match against this team, you can you're you're just fine. Uh, I think Patterson is yeah, this is gonna be a game time decision. And uh Ridley is out with the the mental and hey, yeah, got no problem with that. None. Um, you do what you gotta do. Um, it is a a one-trick offense and yeah, if, if Patterson can't go, it's one double eight. That's all Belichick is going to call tonight. One double eight. You're going to see if you want to see how they treat um, Kyle Pitts tonight, go back and watch Mahomes' first start against the Patriots in 2018, that regular season game. Mm-hmm. There was a play, the interception before halftime from Deron Harmon. It's a third and goal play. They got Kelsey is in the slot. They walked Donta Hightower out over him outside the box to get a jam off of Kelsey, who's in the slot, mind you. It's not like he's in a wing or lined up in line. And then they double him, a true double, Patrick Sean on the inside, Deron Harmon on the outside. This was a red zone play with Tyreek Hill on the field, but Belichick took three people on Travis Kelsey. And what did Mahomes do? 
scramble drill, forced it in the, the direction of Kelsey, and it got intercepted. That's what you're going to see. That's what Kyle Pitts is going to see tonight. Somebody pulled up a clip of years ago when the Patriots played the Atlanta Falcons and Tony Gonzalez was there, mm-hmm. and they walked Roman Pfeiffer and another, I forget the other outside linebacker. They both jammed him when he was Y-ISO, and then you had corner over the top of it. That's what you're going to see tonight. Well, well Belichick- it's the Rams, they just kicked the living crap out of Marshall Falk. I, I mean, yeah. it was an assault, and yeah. not away with it because you're not going to call that every play. Yeah, but that's what they're going to do tonight. They're going to jam. They're going to, you know, they're not going to give him a free release. Everywhere Kyle Pitts goes, he's going to see either 54 or 8 or somebody, one of those linebackers, jamming him off the line, and then two guys with the secondary taking care of him. Now, the Patriots offense, it's looking like like the, the Super Bowl against the Eagles to when they couldn't get past the Colts, right before the, 20, the, the 2017 when they got Moss and Walker and just exploded for everything. Yeah. Really good defense. The quarterback does what he's told with a little bit. It's starting to you know get a little past training wheels. And the run game just, oh, my God, that Patriots run game. Uh, heavy personnel and they will just they beat the browns just that was as physical a game plan as you will see in the nfl i mean like outside of the sec i don't want to tell you right um i want to get your take just on the offense and the defense and kind of where it is but here's i mean right now the patriots are the sixth seed in the afc at six and four there are two games against the six and three bills coming up in weeks 13 and 16 the afc east is not a two-team race and I don't see a lot of separation. No, I mean, how has this happened and how far can it go? I, I think it starts on the defensive side of the ball. Um, what they have up front, the pieces they have along the defensive line. You know, Christian Barmore has been fantastic for them. Belichick, whatever he starts effusively praising one of his own rookies, like pay attention. And that's what he's been saying about Barmore. But don't forget Lawrence Guy, Godchuck, like that they've got guys up front. But that it's, I really think it starts with that second level. Hightower being back is huge. And for people that have said Hightower might have lost a step, like just watch him. Like he's still incredible. Like he's still so good, uh, both against the run and the pass. Bentley, I will continue talking about Juwan Bentley because I I think he's sort of the glue guy of that second level. His instincts, his jersey yet? Because you probably not yet. But now that he switched to number eight, I'm all in. Like, I, yeah. I, I wasn't there on a linebacker where number eight, but he's changed my mind. His quick trigger, his ability to get downhill, his ability to, like, you know, fit things up, it, it's, it's incredible. And everything else flows sort of from that with their their second level of their defense because you've got Kyle Van Noy. I know Jamie Collins is on IR now, but you've got those guys as sort of your off-ball blitzers. You can get pressure. And then, of course, Matthew Judon. Yeah, I was going to say they have this edge rusher, number nine. Yeah, I mean, that's just it. They they have a group of guys at the second level that all have a defined role, but they're excellent at it, and it just interlocks perfectly for this defense because now what you're seeing, and I know last week I talked about this is becoming a zone coverage team. 23 of 33 coverage snaps last week, zone coverage. Like they're a zone coverage team right now and they can afford to be because they can get pressure with four and five up front and play zone stuff behind it. It, it, that's where it starts. The defense. Then you look at the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line is huge now, like getting Trent Brown back, who is a massive human being, Bob Sochi, who I love 
um, the Patriots play-by-play guy on 98.5, tweeted out a picture of Trent Brown celebrating with the rest of the team. And he in the left side of the frame, there's Isaiah Witt, who's a very big human being, and Trent Brown is just towering over him. Yeah, Like, to have him on the right side and Witt on the left side, like, I know Wynn gave up, like, I think a sack and a half to Garrett. One was on a quick three-step drop concept where he tried to cut him, and Garrett's too athletic. He, he beat that. But this is a very good offensive line that can be physical. They can be multi in the run game. They can do zone, gap, power, whatever you want. They'll call it. They'll run it. And, yeah, Matt Jones is doing what they're asking him to do, but he's getting better each week. He's getting a little bit more aggressive. Big ball to the left boundary. The way he just took enough off of it, it was touch and arc and timing. I thought, well, that reminds me of another guy. Another guy. That's a Brady-like throw. But I think the most important throw he had was the touchdown to Bourne, the skinny post in the red zone where John Johnson, who we just talked about, he's your post safety. There's pretty good coverage on it. It's cover one. But if you want to be a good quarterback in the NFL, you're going to make that throw. You're going to take that chance. And Matt Bowen talked about it in the moment. He's like, you know, this is a grown-up moment for for Matt Jones because if you want to be good, you have to try to make those throws. And he put it in a good spot. Board made a play. And yeah, look, they get Atlanta. They get Tennessee next week, who's very good. Really good. Obviously, they will show him some stuff. They'll show him some stuff. Um, but that will be a very sort of, you know, litmus test game. And then the big one is week 13, Monday night at Buffalo, right before their bye. Now, the thing that the Patriots have going for them is they have a bye in week 14. Yeah. Like they have this very late bye where we're seeing a Bill Belichick team, stop me if you've heard this before, get better in November and December. That's like the, the MO of a Bill Belichick team. Now he's going to have that late bye to play with where, you know, if they lose to Tennessee, if they lose tonight, if they lose, you know, to Buffalo, whatever, however it goes these next three weeks, he'll have an extra week to figure things out for this stretch run. I think they can get in to the playoffs. I absolutely do. And at this point, with the way this season has gone, could they make a run? Maybe. They really could. I also wonder about the future because, like, the 2016, I mean, they just they had, they had all the pieces except the one explosive that could get them over the hump. Then, obviously, you know, 2007 yeah. happened. I, I mean, and Mac Jones does not have Brady's arm. Um, no, I don't. He's not a deep guy, but but well, if, what's interesting but is if you add a Devontae Adams or someone of that caliber in free agency, or there's a receiver in the draft that you believe can, you know, have like a Garrett Wilson, someone like that. Yeah, I mean, do they then take that proverbial step forward and all of a sudden the Patriots are a real problem again? Yeah, I think they could. I mean, Pete Schrager said that, look, they rebuilt it in a year. And I, I think, I don't know if I'd say they fully rebuilt it, but they're darn close. Um, and I think with respect to Mac Jones and his arm, it's Brady-like when Brady was starting out. Like, yeah. like Brady certainly added velocity, and you can do that. NFL strength and conditioning program, refined mechanical work, lower body strength. Like, you can add velocity as you sort of grow into your NFL body, and I think Jones can add that. It's not that Jones has a bad arm. It's an NFL average to good arm. It's just not elite. You know, Brady's arm wasn't great starting out, but it got better as, as he went along. You watch Breeze at Purdue, it was like Chad Pennington. Then he got, yeah. like you said, an NFL program. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, arm strength as we start getting into the draft season, like it's, it's a, it's a floor type thing. It's like, a, do you have a sufficient arm to play in the National Football League? Yes or no. And then you start talking about the advantages of having velocity and it can certainly help you. Josh Allen is an example of that. 
But at the same time, like it's not a, if you just have an average arm, it doesn't mean you can't play, you know, it means you have to do other things to be successful, like anticipation and win with your mind and things like that. As you start to improve velocity, he doesn't fall apart in the pocket, which is, and that was, but it's hugely important for him because that's, that's where he lives. Yeah. And that, that was had to happen. Yeah, and that was kind of the argument that I and others made. Like, look, you know, if he's going to be successful, it's going to be because he's good in the pocket. Like, he's not going to – he's had some moments this year where he's beating people to the edge, but that's not his game. His game is sliding around, moving, clicking and climbing and things like that, and he's done a very good job of that, and we saw that on film at Alabama. So that part shouldn't have been surprising. Yeah. Uh, nice segue to Bills. Colts at Bills. Uh, two things were very evident for the Bills. They're 45-17 to 17 wipe out of the Jets. And, yes, it's the Jets, but bear with me. Uh, the run game was far more versatile and dynamic. They came into this game with five non-Josh Allen rushing touchdowns. They had four non-Josh Allen rushing touchdowns against the Jets, one from four different players. And it was a uh, jet sweep to Isaiah McKenzie. It was power inside. It was a sweep outside. They, they don't have an alpha back. Their offensive line is way below average. And after that loss to the Jaguars, I think they all got together and said, okay, we better do something. And they got really creative and versatile with the run concepts, which allowed them to transcend. Now, the Colts have the second best run defense in the NFL per DVOA. Um, we'll see how that goes. But uh, so that was one thing. Um, the run game diversity is something they need to stick to. I would also say this for the Titans. And I know they're trying, but it's, you know, let's. <laughs> Uh, the Bills defense best in the NFL and you go back to that Jets game and yeah I know Jets but it was gorgeous to watch White's four interceptions there were different concepts on all of them and they can hand off perfectly in zone from the linebackers to the corners to the safeties they can play man and just erase everything they are as I said before they're the best man team since the 2019 Patriots which was just a really it, it's a really rare bird to play that much man that well from down to down in this era. So, you know, Carson Wentz has to deal with that. You're going to see some randomness there. Um, on the other side of the ball, at, well, on, on, for the Bills defense, how they handle Jonathan Taylor and Indy's run game, which is it's a real load. And that's their first and pass defense DVOA, the third and run defense DVOA, uh, best linebacker group in the league. The front has improved exponentially. Uh, not really with one guy, but with a bunch of guys, which is, you know, you're in the playoffs and the attrition starts. That's probably how you want it as opposed to, oh, we lost Nick Bosa and now our whole, you know, pass defense goes to crap. Um, but I think this was a really nice turn for the Bills in terms of designing a run game that works for your personnel because they were going to need that if they were going to, I mean, obviously, the, their goal is to fulfill my personal prediction that they would win the Super Bowl. That's right. Really, that's why they're lining up in the first place. We have to make Doug right. Exactly. Um, so I was very encouraged by that. Yeah. One, they uh, they might be without Spencer Brown. He just popped up on the COVID list. Their right tackle. Mm. So that's something to keep in mind. But what's interesting, Justice Muscato, we love Justice. Look at Bobby Hart on the market again. Yeah. Gosh. Um, Justice keeps more money than Enron. Yeah. Justice keeps track of um, how teams look in terms of adjusted net yards per attempt offensively and defensively. And in terms of defensive adjusted net yards per attempt, the Bills rank first overall 
and they're like three times better than the second defense mm-hmm. in that category. They're that good on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and look, you know, Spencer Brown, BNL, that could cause a problem, but especially against this run defense, but Buffalo could certainly throw the ball. Buffalo can certainly throw the ball and Carson Wentz is going to make a Carson Wentz mistake or two. I mean, we've seen that. And this defense has the ability to force a couple of those. Um, you know, I, I think. Well, I they transition from man to zone so well, and they transition from man looks to zone and zone looks to man so well. Yeah. Everything. We talk about tying pressure to coverage. Bills tie man to zone in ways. Yeah. If I was a quarterback, my head would be exploding all over the place. Yeah, and Carson Wentz gets to deal with that. So, yeah, there you go. Yeehaw. Ravens at Bears. Justin Fields throwing those deep dimes against the Ravens defense and his busted coverage is all over the place. That was true against the Dolphins passing game that had done nothing all season. Now, Matt Nagy has had the bye week to figure out how to neuter it, but if Fields is able to improvise his way out of that, he could have a big game here because the Ravens have been awful against the deep pass and yep. feels in the second, the second half of his last game. He would, I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think fields could have a pretty good day. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very curious about the match between Baltimore, what they do offensively, the different run concepts they use against the Chicago defense. But, you know, I'm very excited to see fields because this is one of those, I always struggle with the idea, like, do you blitz a rookie quarterback? Because there's a part of me that thinks you just make their job easier because you're going to go zero blitz against me. I'll drift and throw a touchdown. You're going to go, you know, cover one blitz behind it. Like I'll hit my hot read, whatever. Like you almost simplify their decision-making process because they know a blitz is coming out. That's five or more pass rushers this season, 41 of 64, 443 yards. One touchdown, no interceptions. He has not thrown an interception against the Blitz this year. That's pretty good. Mac Jones, by the way, has thrown five against the Blitz. Yeah. I mean, that that gets you into the discussion, Blitz and a rookie quarterback or not. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see what Fields looks like against this defense. I think you could have a very and of course, I'm just to interrupt. Fields, obviously, when you Blitz Fields, he has the uh, – He has the secondary <laughs> movement skills, too. He has a little bit of second reaction, you know, ability. Yeah. yeah. Just, just a bit, just a hair. Yeah. And watch for that someday too. Yeah. So anyway, it, 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 to return to your point, um, go. Ah, sorry, I just. Oh no, no, I was I was basically finished anyway. Um, the Bears are not a heavy cover zero team, and I don't want to say because Miami, what they do with cover zero and cover zero match, and the way they drop their linebackers and you know blitz from outside, the DB blitzes were the highest uh, against the Ravens of the next gen stats era, which goes back to 2016. Um. So I don't want to say blueprint. I mean, Lamar has not been good against zero this season, and he's seen quite a bit of it. I wonder if the Bears will switch things up. Yeah, I mean, they might. I mean, it, it it's kind of like the Sunday night game, right, where for whatever reason the Raiders didn't really have the personnel to run too high, to run cover four. We're going to get into that. Poor Nathan yeah. Abram. That was just yeah. bad. So, I mean, you end up doing what you try to do, and just do it that way. I mean, maybe that's the Bears' decision here. They're like, look, yeah, other teams have gone a lot of zero blitz lately against Baltimore, but that's not where we are. Why force something? You have had the bye week, so maybe you're looking at, okay, you've had time to sort of get that stuff installed and sort it out, but we'll see. I don't know if you agree with this. My take on Lamar after we, I wrote a whole piece on it, that Dolphins-Ravens game, I think two things are true. 
Um, and they sound like they're at odds with each other, but they're really not. Lamar has improved a ton as a pure passer this year, but he's still very much a see it and throw it guy. Yeah. He, he's not yet learned how to unwrap the onion to that degree. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's kind of true. And you know, that sort of anticipatory throw realm, that's like the final step that and manipulating defenders, I think are the final two things that like round out the quarterback repertoire. And he, he's got the manipulated defenders thing rounded out. That's been one yes, of the things. He's really sort of taken a step forward in this season in terms of becoming that pure pocket passer. But yeah, the anticipation throws like that's still an area where he could get a little bit better. I just think he's so used to, I mean, the offense creates openings with scheme. He yeah. creates openings with his mere presence. Um, Fields also does this very well. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, interesting kind of inflection point for Lamar and the Ravens at this point, who are the Ravens are, what is their, that AFC North, man, who knows? Uh, yeah. Standing. Ravens are six and three. They are the three seed. Steelers are five and three. Bengals are five and four. Rounds are five and five, so who the hell knows? Yeah, exactly. Who the hell knows? Lions at Browns. Jerry Goff may be out with an oblique injury, which might have Tim Boyle starting. I have no idea who that is. Uh, the Browns are five and five, as I said. They're 11th in the AFC playoff race. They have some things to figure out. Baker Mayfield now has the shoulder issue, the foot issue, and now there's a the knee injury that kept him out yeah. of the blowout portion of the Patriots game. And a team that a lot of people thought were headed to the AFC championship game or more is on yep. the outside looking in. Yeah. I mean, they got, they got their teeth kicked in by new England. Um, you know, and should they win this game against the lions? Yeah. But I think there are still longer term concerns about the Cleveland Browns and yes, Mayfield's part of it, but they've got concerns on the defensive side of the ball. They can get after you when they can pin their ears back, but as New England demonstrated, you can run the ball right down their throat sometimes. And so, yeah, you look at the Browns, the one saving grace Cleveland has, I think, and Matt Waldman made this case to me this week. If, they, if you want to make the case that the Browns win the AFC North, it starts with their offensive line. Because if there's one thing that the Browns can do, it's protect, it's block, it's run game stuff. When they get Chubb and Hunt back, like they're going to be a good run first kind of offense that can still get you to a division title. Here's a schedule after, after the Lions. Ravens, bye. Ravens again. Raiders, Packers, Steelers, Bengals. That's a tough stretch. Ouch. That's a really tough stretch. Yeah, I want to see – well, I'll look this up while we get to the next game. Uh, I want to see what their remaining – their remaining DVOA of their opponents. It's got to be pretty high. Yeah, that has to be uh, high. Yeah. Texans at Titans. Uh, my first note was meh. Uh, yeah. Tennessee's offense is going to have to figure out how to establish an offense like Derrick Henry. We all know this. They're running yeah. a little more heavy personnel without him. They're trying to be creative in the run game, like the Bills to a point. Unlike the Bills, outside of AJ Brown, they don't really have receivers capable of explosive plays to offset the lack of a run game or an above average offensive line, which the Bills certainly do not have. Titans, eh. Uh, with Derrick Henry, they led the NFL in third first down runs, and Henry was averaging 5.1 yards per carry when he ran on first down. Uh, with 
without Henry over the last two weeks, they have run the ball 30 times on first down for 70 yards, one touchdown and yards per carry average of 2.3. Mark, is it easier to dial stuff up on second and fourth and nine than it is on second and seven and seven? Yeah. I'm just a little bit easier. Little bit easier. I'm just saying. Okay. DVOA of opponent, future schedule. The Rams have the toughest schedule and the Falcons Colts. Where are the Browns? This seems weird. Huh. Anyway, that, that seems odd. So, yeah. Uh, and Ryan Tannehill's not Josh Allen. This just in. He's always needed more help from scheme and deployment. He's not going to get it done by himself out of structure. So, yeah. their defense is lights out, no question. But I, how, far, how far can you go with that? We'll see. Uh, Packers at Vikings. Green Bay's defense has improved. Uh, I wrote a piece about a month into the season, you know, with Joe Barry, like, what are you guys doing? Uh, just nothing was working. It's really come together. I think, and they've done it without uh, Jair Alexander and Zanaria Smith, the two best players on, on defense. I think to Devondre Campbell, that was a low-key signing. Um but all of a sudden, for the first time, and I don't know how long, the Packers don't have to scheme around linebacker issues because Devondre Campbell has just been playing his ass off, and everything kind of centers around that. Um, I don't know how much you can take away from Aaron Rodgers' performance against the Seahawks or, for that matter, Russell Wilson's performance against the Packers. Yeah. Um, he came back in the building, what, the day before? He was probably still run down from COVID. His deep ball has been a problem all year. That I, I guess that's, you know – you start to wonder if Rodgers is entering the late Peyton or late Breeze phase of his career, where maybe it's not there anymore. I don't know. But yeah, it's a problem I, all season. I, yeah, I mean, it has been a problem all season, but I'm, I don't know if we're there with Rodgers yet. I, I, I would need to see this over an ex- more extended period of time to think that, like, okay, now we're entering the, the Breeze end kind of situation with him. Well, weeks, you know, ten, nine weeks out of 10 is a pretty extended period of time. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. He here, gets a wider berth than most quarters. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that's it. He, but he I gets think it's something berth. to watch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe we start the clock on Aaron like we did on Ben last year. Like, yeah. I mean, is you it know, still a problem. Is it still a problem? Don't yeah. Know. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Vikings offense. Any thoughts on that? Kirk Cousins, your number one graded pro football focused quarterback so far this season. Um, Justin Jefferson, um, you know, <laughs> so fantastic game. Just, just, and we'll say it again, you were way ahead of the curve there. I mean, he was still wide receiver four for me, so it's not like I was, you know. Yeah, but you were enough to put a wide receiver. He's more than a slot guy. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that was just it. Everybody was like, well, he'll, he'll, he can't be pressed. And it's just like, okay, well, um, he can, and he has been. Um, so Jefferson had a huge game. Obviously, you know, for the Vikings, um, Cousins is just such a weird evaluation because last week was probably your quintessential Cousins game. He had some really good moments. They get the win, but then you have some like one, two, three boneheaded plays where it's like, Kurt, what are you doing here? Um, but that was a nice win for them. You know, Vikings, maybe they make some noise down the stretch. That defense is pretty good. Mm hmm. Let me see. I know his touchdown interception ratio is just nuts, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. I would love to know what his adjusted interceptions are. Um, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. 
0.6 interception rate is the lowest in the NFL. I would love to know how many have been dropped or, you know, right. receiver kick. That's sort of Wentzian, but. I mean, adjusted net yards per attempt, he's fifth in the league. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's playing poorly. No, he, he's just having this like weird, like any other year when a quarterback was 18 and two TD to interception, people would be talking about him as like, man, this might be the best season we've seen from a quarterback in a long time. And it's just kind of happening out there. And nobody's really talking about it. Well, it's like and how it's they're four had, or five. Yeah, Mahomes had insane interception luck for three years, and then it flipped. Yeah, it, it can flip fast. Yeah, uh, Dolphins and Jets. <laughs> God, this is a professional why, football game. Why are we doing this? Joe Flacco gets a start for whatever reason. The unvaccinated Joe Flacco. Zach Wilson isn't ready to come back, and Mike White was deemed funny <laughs> Flacco through four receptions against the Bills. Like Flacco wouldn't have done that. Right. Uh, let's see. When was the last time Flacco was good? Were you even doing this for a living the last time Flacco was good? I'm not. I th- I think so. My, my first year was – the first year I was doing this was the Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl where the Pats met the oh, Ravens in the divisional round. And I think that was probably the last time Flacco was good. I, I, I think a couple of things can be true about this. Joe Flacco is probably your best option against Miami only because – Mike White certainly isn't the answer, and you don't want to bring Zach Wilson back to face that defense. Yes, it's Joe Flacco, who last year in week six of the 2020 season completed 24, 21 of 44 passes for 186 yards, no touchdown, and one interception yep. against the same Dolphins defense. He's the best yep. option. He is. Well, because it, it, you don't want to run Wilson back into this because, you know, the, the, you have to think about the long-term development of Zach Wilson. And if he's not 100% or even close to it, you know, you don't want to do that. Mike White, we, you know, he certainly struggled last week and he'd struggle again. So this is why you get, this is what, but this speaks to the overall roster construction the Jets had this year. As much as I, I like a lot of what they did, you needed a veteran quarterback on this roster for week one. You know, and, not, and, go, and not that one. <laughs> right, right. But just, you know, you needed somebody. And this was just, you know, to go out and just give up a six round to go get Joe Flacco for a moment like this is a sign that, look, they screwed that part of this up. This week, Robert Sellis said the team's quarterback situation will resolve itself organically. So I don't know if he was at Whole Foods and made the decision or whatever, but here we are. Maybe. Yeah. Saints at Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts, development as a pocket passer. They're um, – I know Greg Cosell does a lot of Eagle stuff. Has talked about this a lot with uh, Fran Duffy and others. Uh, Eagle Eye in the Sky Pod. Highly recommended. Everyone will listen to that, whether you like the Eagles or not, because two smart guys talking football is always a good thing. Uh, his development as a pocket passer. They're running him more under center. Um, kind of where are you with his development? Because it seemed it's starting to look like, yeah, maybe he's maybe well his draft picks. We don't have to worry about this. I, I think so. I, I, I'm. I'm warming up to the idea that at a bare minimum, Hertz can be that kind of guy you win with. Like, you know, a, a Baker type, a Cousins type, a Garoppolo type. Like, he can at least be that. Which I'm not going to take you to a Super Bowl. You won't be dragged there kicking and screaming. Right, right. Like, I, I think that's what you're seeing from him. You know, I, I did a three throws thing on him this week. Sirianni deserves a lot of credit. They're doing some stuff where they're moving him around. They're moving the pocket. Um, the early sale concept throw, 
you know, where he hit the out route with good placement. That was a designed rollout. The out and up touchdown to Devonta Smith. That was a mesh roll, half roll thing. So that's good. But also, I think biggest throw he had, it was in the three throws video I did. Then Orlovsky, like three days later, highlighted the same play. Verticals out of three by one. Goddard on the of the bender, the cricket cross, or whatever you want to call it. And you could see on this third down play a moment where Hertz starts to bring the ball down because he sees grass to the left side and thinks he can run for it. Starts to run, but then stops himself, sets up in the pocket, and makes that throw. Like Jalen Hurts of four weeks ago, three weeks ago, wasn't. I was just going to say, we don't see that three weeks ago. No. no. God knows what. Yeah. And he might have gotten the first down, but that's the sort of double edged sword of quarterback athleticism we talk about a lot. Like you can be athletic, but you might consistently bail pockets and give up opportunities. When you see that athletic quarterback fight that urge, and I'm telling you, you can literally see him fight it on this play to then reset and make that throw. That's the development you want. Yeah. He's literally like, he starts to bring the ball down, but then brings it back up. And it's like, you can tell exactly what's going through his mind in that moment. That was, I think the biggest play for his development. So I I think that developmental arc that we're seeing from him and there, there were flashes of it in previous weeks. It's kind of been stacking moments like this on top of each other, coupled with the fact that, this quarterback class that's coming out has a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think Hertz, I think some other quarterbacks that might be sort of on the bubble in terms of where they stand within their organizations. Daniel Jones might be another one. Um, they might benefit from the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty about this next class. So these guys might've bought themselves another year to prove what they can do. And I think in Hertz's case, it's a lot more justified because as I keep pointing out each week, this is his fourth offensive system in four years. Like, you know, Alabama, then Lincoln Riley, then Doug Peterson last year, and now Nick Sirianni. That's a lot for a young quarterback. And I think he's finally started 16 games. So, like, his I'm, quote, I'm, rookie season is over. He's had 14 starts. So he's still in technically a, a rookie year. So yeah. I'm just I, – I practice some patience. I think you might be glad you did, Eagles fans. And his first starts were in a broken offense, trying to rehabilitate from the. But what did he do in his first start? His first start last year was against the New Orleans Saints when the yeah. Dennis Allen defense was playing extremely well, and he yep. came out and they won that game. Yep. And so and Peterson, I remember, I remember writing about this. I mean, like fourth and impossible, and Peterson would throw him out there, and yeah. and he would convert. I mean, he would. Peterson put him in like, you know, Houdini situations and he would somehow make it happen. I think those, yeah. you know, like you say, preach patience. Uh, yeah. We see this every year and then we never do it because that's how it works. Uh, Washington at Panthers. It looks like Cam will start against the football team. Now he had five passing snaps, three run snaps against the Cardinals, scored a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. His first two plays of the 2021 season, not bad. The passing touchdown, which is just a boot to Robbie Anderson, was fascinating because the play that set that up was a direct snap to Christian McCaffrey that it, they thought he scored, that he didn't. It was at the like one-yard line or something. Um, Arizona's run defense is putrid. Um, yeah, it's, it's a problem. With show up. That started, yeah. That's a fatal flaw. Um, so... And, and this was a, a QB run package that had Sam Darnold scoring five rushing touchdowns in the first month of the season. Then it went away. Yeah. From, I don't know what. Uh, Cam has 71 rushing touchdowns in his career, the most for any quarterback in NFL history. 
Guess who's second? We should do like a trivia thing. Seriously. Um, it is think way back. Yeah, I mean that's where I'm going. Don't don't go, Vic. Uh, Randall. Y A Tittle. Otto Graham, forty-four. Oh man, I was I was thinking Tittle, Graham, or Gabriel were the three I was thinking. Gabriel's way up there. Yeah, I figured Gabriel was up there. Yeah. Uh, Football team played fifteen snaps at too high against Tom Brady and the Bucks. We're going to that in a minute. Yikes. Uh, they do well with it. I do not expect that to happen in this game because between Cam and Christian McCaffrey, you would better not, you would don't throw live boxes at this offense. Um, right. And that Washington defensive line has injury issues with Chase Young and Montez Sweat out. How did Heineke look to you against the Bucks? Okay. I mean, it, it was a situation I mean, kind of, where – Kind of like Trevor Simeon. We're like, how do you look? You looked okay. Okay, he didn't poop all over himself. Yeah. I mean, he took what was given to him, uh, made some throws that were smart at the moment based on the coverage. Um, you know, and it probably shouldn't surprise us in a sense because he kind of did this in the playoffs last year. I mean, against basically a similarly constructed defense, he found ways to make throws and reads. And, you know, there, there were – I think the bigger question from that game is the Brady side of it. You know, mm-hmm. Brady, he seemed off. Let's seemed, let's let's put a pin in that because I want to yeah. get into that in a minute, in a, in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Heineke looked looked fine. Like I, I don't think that he's again the long term answer. This is what you have him to do. Like spot starts, things like that. Like he can certainly do that. I think he's a very good to great backup quarterback in this league. And this is a game that showed kind of that. Explosive plays, play action, kind of a yeah. um, Pat Shermer 2017 Vikings deal. Is yeah, the highest. Exactly. Exactly. That's what yeah. I'm at all. If you could get that from your back quarterback, you have done a good job roster construction-wise. I mean, Pat Shermer turned Case Keenum into, like, one of the best deep throwers in the NFL in 2017. I maintain he's going to get jobs for 20 years just off of that. Yep. Absolutely. 49ers at Jaguars. We kind of talked about San Francisco's offense. Uh, where are we with Trevor? There's just there's so much wrong. There's so much wrong. Like, does he have to play better? Absolutely. Um, you know, does the team have to help him out? Yeah. I mean, there are some throws that he's making, some plays that he's making inside and outside the pocket where you can see that they're sort of letting him down. Um, but my excitement level of Trevor was pretty high, like around the Bengals game, the London game, things like that. It's dampened a bit. Like there are some things that he needs to improve upon as well. Like, but it's hard to fully evaluate him in the context of everything else that's going on around him. That that's one of the tougher things about quarterback evaluation, because there are some moments where he's certainly like doing exactly what he needs to do and doing everything right. And it's just not happening because guys are letting him down on the other end. And the variance with I mean, with a quarterback that good and a team that bad, you're going to go from Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Brooks. It's just yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron Brooks, but you throw it yeah. backward and you never look it down. Bengals at Raiders. Um, I taught we I, I brought it up last week. The Bengals offense seems to be nosediving. So I went back and looked at you know tape stats, whatever. Um, it's becoming pretty reductive, and I don't think that scheme – I think Burrow on deep passes in the last two games, both losses, 211 for 80 yards. Uh, and I believe he's tied – I think Eric Eager had this said He's tied for the lead in interceptions in a clean pocket with seven, with like Zach Wilson and a couple other guys where you don't want to be on that list. Right. Um, we don't talk about Burrow's rogue gene because – 
he always seems to have everything just so in the box and, and so together, but he's got one. He will throw some inexplicable balls. We're just like, dude, what the hell are you doing? And I think right now the hero balls are kind of outliving the, the stuff and structure that works. Also, I think the Bengals are, they're starting, you know, they're, they're playing a woozy off board, which I don't know why the best corner. Um, that's, you know, <laughs> Deshaun Jackson, Darren Waller, Raiders, here they come, guys. Yeah. Uh, this you don't want to be the Bengals after a bye and suffer your third straight loss, but that yeah. could happen. Now, will now well, I'll get into this in a minute with the Raiders defense. They played a lot of too high. It's not what they do, and there are definite reasons for that. So it's going to be cover three. Raiders lead the league in cover three. This is a Gus Bradley defense. Gus Bradley, 12 years after he's dead, will be scheming cover three somewhere in heaven. So yep. that's that's kind of where that goes. But Burrow, you know, I think the automatic automatic all the time is, oh, Burrow just has everything together. Well, there are there are still issues. Yeah, and this sort of gets us to the arm strength question because some of the throws that he's trying to make, these hero ball throws, his arm's not quite good enough to make them at times. And, you know, might it get there? Yeah, but I, I think – Burrow was good at LSU outside of structure, outside of the pocket, but I do think he has to rein that in a bit more at the NFL level. It's great that he can sort of escape with footwork and things like that. And I also think it's important to remember, he is coming back from a huge knee injury. And so I think he's ahead of where I expected him to be, generally speaking, coming back from that injury. But yeah, if you had thoughts about this team winning the division, you can't come out of a bye week and lose your third straight game. Yeah. Get their schedule the rest of the way. Um, it's just it's it's just going to be one big rock fight after another. Uh, yeah, I mean that's what this AFC North is shaping up to be. Bengals. They have Raiders and the Steelers, Chargers, 49ers, Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, Browns. That's also a very tough schedule. Holy crap! Uh, well, now I'm curious. I just know that I'm on this. Run. I want to see what the Steelers have schedule wise. They have uh, Chargers, which we'll get into in a minute briefly. Bengals, Ravens, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens. Man, yeah. just brutal. Yep. And then the Ravens have. Where they have? Ravens have Bears, Browns, Steelers, Browns, Packers, Bengals, Rams, Steelers. Jesus. <laughs> Schedule makers did not like the AFC North teams, apparently. They're like an eight and nine team is going to win the AFC North. Yep. Wow. Uh, so, Cowboys at Chiefs. Chiefs are in for a real challenge on defense because when you go back and look at the Falcons game, the Cowboys are not just throwing the ball all over the place, attacking his targets, running the ball very well as a Tony Pollard. Um, there, there was a screen they ran, the 37 yard screen to cd lamb where they had two tight ends and a sixth offensive lineman in the formation and quads left yeah and so of course that's you know it's like heavy out of quads and i i went back in sports info solutions there's only one play in which a team with quads left with two tight ends and an extra offensive lineman since 2015 uh the cardinals did it against the rams Week 17 of the 2019 season, and they gained four yards in the red zone. So, just wow. 
There you go. Uh, so, any larger point, Kellen Moore is dialing it up in all possible ways. It's it can be all verts, it can be power, it can be the sixth OL is now in the backfield. He's now a fullback. He's now a sniffer. Uh, the offense is great. Is that the MVP right now? I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you see the game that he had last week. Very impressive performance. Um, you know, the, the the first touchdown was a nice three to throw. Yeah, but I was more impressed by the, the second touchdown to Lamb. Zero blitz look, corner route, double China seven. Just lets it go with an anticipation throw on that corner route for the touchdown. A very impressive play. Um, I think so. You know, I, I it's hard to make a case for anybody else. I mean, you could have made a case for Derek Henry, but then he got hurt. You could have made a case for Lamar, but that team is kind of struggling right now. Um Hard to make a case for a defensive player, but Matthew Judon, perhaps? Does Josh Allen win it by default if the Bills survive in the AFC East? I don't I mean, know. Maybe I, if I think... Javon Diggs has like 14 interceptions or something. But yeah, you, maybe. If but... you want to win, I mean, you have what Allen Page won it in 71, Lawrence Taylor won it in 86. If you want to win the MVP as a defense, you have to have a historic seed. I mean, you just have to blow everything up. Looking at Dak, I mean, he had a bit of a rough game against the Broncos, but other than yeah. that, he really hasn't had a bad game. And no, he hasn't. Here, here's a stat for you. <laughs> you mentioned Blitz. Against five or more pass rushers this season per Sports Info Solutions. Thanks, guys. Dak has 16 touchdown passes and three interceptions. 16 touchdowns, three picks against the Blitz. Five quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, and Teddy Bridgewater are tied for second with seven touchdowns. That's just that's kind of absurd, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he is the MVP, and I think if he plays like this, it's going to be pretty obvious as we go forward. Uh, as to whether Patrick Mahomes is back, I wrote extensively about this this week. I think he played more in structure to start. Um, I think he found – it's the you know the, the rounders line. If, <laughs> if you haven't identified the sucker at the table, you're the sucker. Jonathan yeah. is a sucker, and, you know, that's – it's not news to say that Abram can't cover high in any sort of shell. That's uh, the Raiders played 11 of Mahomes passing attempts in too high. Uh, certainly a departure. Mahomes completed seven of those 11 attempts for 114 yards and two touchdowns against it. Now he went, he was really kind of frenetic to start until he realized, Hey, I can just take what the Raiders give me. And then out of that, the explosive plays will come when the defense starts to come down to say, okay, we can't, die by a thousand paper cuts. He was one of six on deep throws against the Packers. And then those first five were just all over the place. And then he calmed down. It was like, all right. Um, Dallas's safety group has not been stellar this season. Dan Quinn is a lot better just with his, with his personal kind of adjusting to what happens. Um, I think Dan could play too high and just match all over the place. It would be a little more complex. I would expect him to play more zone just because of what the Chiefs present. But as to whether Mahomes is back, uh, my conclusion was I'm not going there yet because it's been a problem all season and I need to see more than one game. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, th I think there was an important play earlier in that game, but it was one of the snaps when they were actually in too high. They were in cover four. There was a third down conversion where they had the post from Tyreek and then Kelsey was on the inside running a curl fade to the out, kind yeah. of like an out route. And the post was there. 
Like, cause that's a perfect concept against cover four because of the way teams have to defend that. You know, if that inside receiver is quote vertical, the safety has to buy that route. And then you get a post route against outside leverage corner. I think Mahomes of three weeks ago is throwing that post route yeah. and trying to hit the home run. Uh, this version of Mahomes takes the, the, the shorter throw, gets the first down and moves on for a fresh set of downs. And I think that was an important moment where it's like, you don't have to throw the haymakers, Pat. You don't have to throw touchdowns on every play. Like, you can move the chains with a nice throw on third down, come back to that concept later that game, later this season, and it will be there for you. So I think that was an important step. Um, is he all the way back? I, like you, I'm not going to go there, but I'm pretty confident he's going to get there at some point this season, whether it's this week or next or down the road. And I don't want to blame Jonathan. He, was nine, he allowed nine receptions on nine targets for a perfect passer rating or the highest passer rating. If I say perfect passer rating, people are going to yell at me. The right. highest passer rating possibly 158.3. He's done a deep safety. He wasn't a deep safety in college. He wasn't a deep safety when he came to the NFL. That, that's just who they had and it didn't work. So I'm yeah. not, I'm not blasting Abram. He was just in an impossible situation. Uh, Cardinals, Seahawks. Oh, Andy Reid talked after the game about the importance of keeping Mahomes in the pocket and avoiding unnecessary movement. Not that Mahomes didn't run, but I noticed that. And then I read that quote. And I'm like, yeah. They're, they're- and Mahomes has talked about that too, because one of the problems. And he had said the week before, I'm starting, I need to understand. Yeah. The defense can help. And the defense hasn't played better since they moved Chris Jones back inside. Special teams can help. Um, woohoo, fake field goal. Yeah, he's starting to get that realization. So, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, if you drift out of the pocket or you bail out the back door or whatever, you're going to run right into pressure, you know. The edge defender is getting blocked, but suddenly you're running past him. He could just peel off. He doesn't have to fight through a blocker to do that. And so Mahomes staying in the pocket a little bit is going to help. Now, certainly there are moments you have to bail, but bail when you need to, not just because you want to. Cardinals and Seahawks. The Cardinals are eight and two. They are second in the NFC. Uh, Packers are also eight and two. Packers beat the Cardinals, so there you go. But here are the Cowboys at seven and two. Um, Rams are at seven and three. Buccaneers, I don't know. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I think the defense is really bad against the Panthers. I just think it was a really horrible matchup for them. Um, the Panthers could just run the crap out of the ball, which is pretty easy to do when you're up 23 to nothing at halftime. Right. Um, Colt McCoy against the top five defense throws all kinds of different medieval stuff at you. Not great. Um, I think the question, they're getting up on the Rams in division and they're number two in the NFC. They have the Seahawks this week and then a bye. You might be able to beat the Seahawks with Colt McCoy and, and a defensive turnaround. So I wonder if you sit Murray out and just let him get healthy for the stretch run. I I would probably go in that direction. I think so, too. I mean, I, I think you sit Murray one more week, take advantage of the opportunity the schedule gives you, and get him healthy for the stretch run. I mean, I, I think – because given the woes that they have defensively in terms of stopping the run, you're going to need a healthy Kyler Murray like down the stretch to win games. Like You're going to have to put up points, and getting him healthy for the postseason drive is the f- best thing you can do right now. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Seahawks, I think Wilson's finger is still bothering him. I have another finger to extend to the Seahawks with their overall roster construction of the last few years and their inability to adjust their personnel. Guess which finger that is? Moving I can on. only imagine. It's been rough. <laughs> uh, 
I thought you guys had the answers. Steelers at Chargers, as we're recording this on Thursday morning, maybe something has come up in the last hour. We don't yet know the status of Ben Roethlisberger. I guess he'll play if he passes all the COVID protocols and is feeling well enough. Um, Mason Rudolph is not and never has been the answer. Let me know this no. Day. When is Joe Lombardi going to cut Justin Herbert loose? I, I think. God, I hope it's this I week. Think, I think Seth wrote about it over yep. at the Theft. Was it was Seth or Deontay? Somebody wrote about it. If Seth Rudolph, wrote. <laughs> Seth like, wrote about it because I Sunday night in a group chat. I'm like, has anybody written about Lombardi and this offense and how it's not helpful? And Seth is like, I will if you don't. I'm like, all right, fine, Seth. You could write about it. Well, maybe you can write about it next week if it keeps going. Just... Yeah. Well, Seth and I always have to share the like... week after that, and then they go back to Seth or Deontay. We can just do like a round robin the rest of the Seth season. Seth and I always have this thing where we like write the same like long form piece in the off season. Like a couple years ago, it was about the three high safety stuff. We each wrote that, and yeah, you know, we've written about some other stuff that has overlapped. And so we're trying to not step on each other's toes right now. I want to show up to the wedding one in the same dress. Right. 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 Exactly. Uh, but yeah, like the average depth of target, like it's so bad. This is, but this is what frustrates me sometimes about, you know, seeing how quarterbacks are handled because you saw last year, what made Justin Herbert great was attacking downfield, pushing the ball downfield. He has made some absolutely insane deep throws this year. And they even this year too. Come on. Yeah. I, I just, I, I I don't get it. I don't, but yep. Uh, Giants and Buccaneers. So, if I told you in a game between Tom Brady and Taylor Heineke that one quarterback would throw two interceptions and the other one would throw none, you would, of course, say that it was Heineke. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. It was Brady. Uh, now, the first pick wasn't Brady's fault. He threw a right. quick pass to Jalen Darden, who was sitting and threw the ball up in the air. The second pick was a drag route to Mike Evans. Evans stopped on the route. I have to, uh, uh, I don't, <laughs> here's my theory about Mike Evans. Brady needs all his receivers to go exactly with the plan. And I've right. talked about this, and you, you know exactly what I'm talking about to your Patriots guy, the Brady death stare. The yeah. first time you run the wrong route, it happened to Ocho Cinco, it happened to Galloway, it's happened to a bunch of guys. You get yep. the Brady stare, and the next thing is the milk carton, and the next thing is Wiley Coyote off the cliff. Yep. I think their receivers, and, and Antonio Brown has never gotten the credit he deserves as a route runner. Um, Godwin, certainly Scotty Miller, um, you know, their tight ends. It, I think Evans is just so physically gifted. That, that's the only way I can explain just from an outsider's perspective, why that has never really seemed to work. Yeah. I, I mean, Brady is just sort of regimented with reads, regimented with concepts and things like that, where, you know, if you're not where you're supposed to be when it needs to be there, like that Brady circle of trust is a real thing. You ain't going to be there. You ain't going to be there. Yeah. What was weird about watching Brady in that game, there were also some moments where you would think he would go elsewhere with the ball. Like there was a play where they had a three receiver concept to the right. Evans is in a slot to the left. Landon Collins is over him. It's single high. Collins doesn't match and carry that vertical route. So you've got a seam route against single high. You would think Brady's eyes would go right to it. He threw a shallow crosser to Leonard Fournette. Doesn't even look at it. And it just seemed like Brady was expecting different things from Washington defensively than actually played out. And he didn't take advantage of him in the passing game. Uh, I think he probably expected more man. Maybe a little high. 
I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Arians questioned the effort of his team. A little odd, but okay. Well, he's, you know, coach him hard, hug him harder. That's <laughs> yeah. the, the two out route interceptions that Brady threw in his first game as the Buccaneers. Arians came out and just blasted Brady. And yeah. Brady can handle it because Belichick did that for years. It, it, you know, beat up on your best player. Yeah. But to say of the whole team, I question their effort. Then you watch the game, you're like, hmm. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, they are old. They're hurt. They're not playing disciplined football. They were, they had the, the best injury luck last season. Uh, I don't know what their adjusted games lost are this year, but it's got to be pretty bad. So they're yeah. six and three, and they have the Panthers and the Saints looking at them like, hello. Um, so that's the thing. Uh, you, Mr. Big Blue View, I want to ask you just an overall check on where the Giants are. I mean, it's 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 weird. Um, defense. Let's start with Daniel Jones and the and you know how the offense is going. Yeah, I mean, the offense has moments. It has flashes. I, I Jones is doing some things right. Still pretty efficient in the downfield passing game. Having some success off of play action. They're struggling in the red zone. They're struggling to protect him. Some of the sacks, yes, are on Jones, but also some of the sacks are on breakdowns up front. And I think because of that, Garrett is a bit reluctant to call more vertical stuff because he doesn't know if he's going to get it all blocked up. They really can't run the football like at all. Now, of course, you can still be successful in play action when you don't run the football well because of how you tie run looks to play action passing designs and looks and things like that. But they're struggling in a number of different ways. Um, like we had the discussion with Jalen Hurts. I think Jones is going to be the beneficiary of a weak quarterback class and they'll pick up his option and things like that. Unless a new general manager comes in and just decides I'm going in a completely different direction, which could happen. A lot of people think that Garrett's probably the first guy to go and get him and will be second out the door behind him. So, you know, but a lot of it sort of some inconsistency up front and the, the struggles are flowing from there. The early mocks seem to all have the Giants taking an offense one. Yeah, the, the North Carolina state tackle that, that seems to be becoming tackle one perhaps in this class. But, yeah, a lot of people think they're going to go offensive line because they've got issues up front. And, you know, Andrew Thomas hasn't cut, worked out. Nate Solder isn't working out right now. Will Hernandez, like all along that offensive line, there are some questions right now that they need to get answered pretty quickly. Well, to say Nate Solder isn't working out, I mean, you should have known. Yeah. That's yeah. been a thing for a few years, unfortunately. Right. Solar is just kind of the way it is. You yeah. gas, you run out of gas. And sorry. Uh, defensively, Patrick Graham, I, I, I have really enjoyed watching his defenses. What kind of challenges can, based on what you've seen in the Buccaneers lately, uh, two straight losses? I think that Saints loss took something out of them. Yeah. And the Saints have taken stuff. They will take stuff out of a quarterback. What what does the Giants' defense look like right now? What kind of challenges can that present to Brady and that whole offense? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a lot of the stuff we we've talked about that have given Brady problems at times. You know, doing some things that are unconventional. You know, Patrick Graham last year had a lot of different sub packages. You know, different rotations in the secondary. You know, showing rotations that you might not be expecting mixing things up that way. Those are the things that they can sort of do. And I, I think that's what Patrick Graham's going to realize. How on remember, this is a matchup that we saw last year. I think it was a Monday night game or was it a Sunday night game? I forget, but maybe it was a Thursday night game. Either way, 
that was a close game. Daniel Jones had like three interceptions that were just boneheaded plays that really kept the Buccaneers in that. So Graham has had some success against this Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Now that was pre bye week last year when they sort of Tampa Bay figured things out, but still Graham has some things in his, in his bag rotations and things like that, that gave this team trouble last year. And it gets to, it sort of gets to the Evans thing, right? You know, if you might not confuse Brady with your rotation, but you might confuse a receiver and then the receiver is not what Brady expects him to be. And then you get these miscommunication turnovers. They are moving Leonard Williams around a lot, which is not surprising. They're moving Dexter Lawrence around a little bit. And Dexter is a freaking beast. I love that kid. Yeah. Cool stuff, man. Any more thoughts from you? Any other thoughts from you? No. Um, I'm going to dip off here. We've got Trey McBride, the latest announced invitation to the Senior Bowl, Colorado State tight end, who might be in the mix for tight end one. So I will probably be doing something on him this afternoon. Who's your QB one now? And would it change when I asked you five minutes from now? Probably. Yes, it would change. Um, I, th- I think right now it's Corral, Pickett, Willis, Riddler, Howell, Strawn is kind of the order, but like it changes all the time. Like I, I've watched all of it and I still don't really have a, I, I think Corral is, is one. I think he's probably the most scheme diverse guy. I think Pickett is going to be the you know, the Jones of this class where it's like, he's got the nice floor. Willis is going to be the boom bust guy where if you get him in the right development situation, it could be a home run. Um, it, it's just a different group. I keep telling people that the QB that comes off the board first, whether it's at five, eight, 10, wherever might the team that drafts him might have him graded like the 25th player overall in this draft or even lower. The way you grade quarterbacks in your head, your process, is there a guy that you would give a first round grade to in this class? Take the positional value out. Of yeah, it. I mean, and which I do. And sitting here right now, uh, it'd be close. Maybe Corral and Pickett, but they'd be like late first rounds. Because Pickett to me is cousins. I've said this before. He's a good cousins and bad cousins. Cousins went in the fourth round. I mean, if yeah, if people I mean, knew about him now, what they knew go about in the him, first, and he'd go in the late first, mid. Yeah, and that's kind of where I am with these guys. It's like. They're all have that like the guys that will have first round grades will be like late first round, but their quarterbacks get graded and drafted on a different scale. Like guys that are late first round grades on your big board are going to the top 10 yep. because of the position, which uh, often bites teams in the posterior. Yep. And then the Patriots get a guy at 15 who appears to be that's you know. pretty good so far. The thing with Jones and I, I, I keep telling people this uh, and talking to people around the league we shouldn't be surprised with what we're seeing right now because this was the argument. He had the best floor. He was the safe, comfortable, warm blanket. So the fact that he's good right now, that should almost have been expected. Let's see three years from now, you know, because that will be the ceiling part. Now, maybe he's even better and he continues this great development and he's in a perfect situation to do that. But that will be sort of the next arc of this evaluation. Well, what if three years now Belichick is doing Sunday Night Football and Josh McDaniels is coaching the Texans? And we don't know. Yeah, yeah, you don't know. I know he's talking about offense because Mac Jones is a perfect fit for what this offense wants to be. By that time, it will be head coach Steve Belichick and offensive coordinator Dan Mullen. There you go. Yeah, because Mullen's going to get an OC gig with or an advisory role because he's going to get the Belichick car wash. I bet. 
or the saving car wash one way or the other out of Florida. And then he's going to become an offensive coordinator for the Patriots. I I'm sticking to that prediction now. Patriots head coach, Steve Sarkeesian. Cause I like anarchy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I can't, I don't want to start talking about Texas, but yeah. Woo. Woo boy. Yeah. Anyway, on that weird note, uh, good stuff as always, man. And we'll talk next week. Sounds good.